You're listening to the Union Church Podcast. For more information about Union, please visit unionboston.org. I bless God for the spirit of worship that is in this place, uh, and it, 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 it provides a, a good foundation for the work that is yet ahead, because you need to know that the grace of God, quite simply, is an amazing thing. And I'm grateful for grace on this morning. So I just want to talk about grace on this morning because it is God's grace that heals us when we are sick. It is God's grace that helps us when we are weak. And it is God's grace that picks us up when we're down. Somebody ought to say amen this morning. Yes, I'm thankful for grace. I give thanks for grace because in God's grace, uh, we find our life. And in God's grace, we find life not just partially, uh, fragmentedly, uh, but we find God's grace through life in abundance, in its entirety, in its fullness, in wholeness. God's grace, it greets us. It greets us before we can even utter the words, hello. God's grace, it meets us right when we are in the the waters of our mother's wombs, and it declares to us while we are yet unformed, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's God's provenient grace, the type of grace that covers us and prevents us from knowing ourselves as anything but beloved of God. Because we are created in the very image of a God who loves us into freedom. God's grace, it changes us, it transforms us, it converts us, it convicts us, it turns our lives around when we accept the grace that God gives us through Christ Jesus and we declare ourselves to be Christian. It justifies us. That grace is called justifying grace, which is built upon that preventing grace, but but grace, it does not stop there. It keeps on moving. It keeps on working. It keeps on changing. It keeps on converting. It keeps on taking us to higher heights. Yes, this is the year of elevation and evolution. Heck, right? We're going to do it all. Like we are, we're, we're perched right on the runway on this year of elevation, and we are ready to take off. And it is that grace, that sanctifying grace, which builds upon the justifying grace and the preventing grace, and it is that sanctifying grace that takes us to higher heights. It it makes us, uh, it guides us, it leads us into living lives that are worthy. Worthy of the grace that God plants upon us. God, 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 God layers upon us this grace, and, and, and we ought to reflect this grace in the way we show up in the world. Uh, so we live in the Wesleyan way, what's called a sanctified life, right? It's not about being holier than now, walking around with a Bible in your hand, uh, but still speaking bad about your neighbor, Right, because it's, it's said in 1 John chapter uh, 4, verses uh, 7 through 14, you cannot declare to love a God you have not seen, but then not love your neighbor who you do see. Right, so sanctifying grace changes us so that we live in a way that reflects the love of God that is implanted in us. It builds on that that transforming grace that that when we encounter the grace of God that is already within us, before we can, right, that, that grace that greets us before we can even say hello, 
when we acknowledge what God is doing in our lives, we are changed. And when we keep on living in that love, that grace of God, we, we're, we're changed into uh, uh, higher uh, beings, as it were. Actually, in the Wesleyan tradition, uh, it, it's, it's taught that, that a process of, of deification even happens upon us that we who are created in the image of God become like God on earth. Not that we have all power, but, we, but they say they'll know we're Christians by our love. That, that in fact, we who have been changed by Christ coming into our lives, we become little Christ in the world. Christ meaning anointed one. Right, right. So, so we, because we have been transformed in the image of God, we reflect that love in such a way that not only touches us and changes our lives, but it reaches out, it extends out beyond us so that it touches the lives of our neighbor. And it transforms the world around us in such a way that the world might see the world might know that this thing that we are doing in this place on this Sunday morning actually matters, right? It, it's more than just, just, just noisy uh, songs and, 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 and clinkering cymbals, but rather it's enfleshed, it's, it's manifest. I'm grateful for God's grace this morning uh, because it is written that God's grace is sufficient for us. God's grace is sufficient for the work that is ahead of us, the work that we are called to do. Yes, God's grace, it is quite simply, beloved, an amazing thing. Grace, it makes me glad and I get joy when I think about it because grace is that radical love of God extended to all God's people without a price. Grace, it is freely given, and it is the very foundation of what we know, what we strive, especially on this MLK weekend, to live into the beloved community. That radical love of God is the foundation of who we are called to be in the world, the beloved community. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So, so God's love for us becomes embodied in flesh in Christ Jesus, a radical love that shows up and walks alongside of us in this world so that we might know in our pain, in our circumstances, in our, in our, our, our perseverance, in our struggles, that there is one who actually knows the struggles deeply because it is God incarnate love, incarnate made flesh. So God knows the struggles we encounter. And out of the struggles that love embodied in Christ Jesus, we might not give up in the face of those circumstances, but rather because God shows up and walks alongside of us, uh, we know that this is just not abstract uh, philosophizing, right? But it's real, it's tangible, it, it's, it's something that we can hold on to because God loved us so much that God entered into this world to struggle alongside of us, to be our Emmanuel, God with us. And that, that, that assurance, that blessed assurance that God is with us in these struggles gives us the strength to keep on keeping on 
to keep on pressing towards the mark, to keep on holding on even when you want to give up, to keep on pressing even when you want to throw in the towel. Because we know that God is with us and that God struggles alongside of us, we don't give up. We keep on pressing because God's grace is sufficient for us. You see, it is this understanding of grace, of God's love, God's radical love incarnate in Christ Jesus that we know as grace, grace justified, grace sanctified, and provenient grace. It is this understanding that defines us as people called Methodist. Ultimately, what defines us as people called Methodist actually is not our book of discipline. It's not our meetings and our conferences or our order of Sunday worship service or the very ways in which our denomination is organized. That's not what defines us as people called Methodists. But rather, our, what defines us and our most significant method as people called Methodists is the way of love. Yeah. It is the way of grace. It is our commitment to this unmerited, unearned, and most of the time undeserved love. It's our commitment to this grace that, that shows up in the world as holiness. This is what defines us as people called method, Methodists. It's our method, our way of living and loving in the world. We are a people whose hearts have been strangely warmed, strangely warmed because when we found ourselves deep in situations that we couldn't get out of by ourselves, God's spirit drops in upon us and reminds us that we are not in this thing called life by ourselves. And, and even though we, we know we messed up and we've fallen short, uh, still that, that grace, it surrounds us and it anoints us and it encourages us and, and it makes our, our hearts feel something. We find ourselves, as, as John Wesley said, when he, he had an encounter with, with God on the street called Aldersgate, he had an encounter that, that when he experienced and accepted that grace for himself, his heart, his soul, his entire being was warm. He felt full. He felt whole. He, he felt like he could keep, and, and, and the interesting thing about that, right, that, that, that John Wesley actually at the time when his heart was strangely warmed, he actually was already a priest, yeah. but he was believing simply with his head and it hadn't dropped down into his heart yet. Uh, and, and, and he still had doubt about, about the, the loving God that, that, that they preached about it. And, and, and one of his mentors said, you know what, even when you find yourselves in, in situations when it seems like you're just talking the talk and you haven't quite walked the walk, you just preach grace until you find it. You preach love until you get it. So you keep on speaking over your circumstances. Even when you don't know, you, you keep on talking to yourself. You keep on speaking over yourself. And it was in that moment that God's grace became real for Wesley in such a way that his heart was warmed and he experienced that second blessing and he lived unto sanctification. As people called Methodists, we are people whose hearts yearn to be strangely warmed. We are a people who, who, who never, we've never believed in a litmus test of, of questions that you have to get right in order to inherit God's grace, because God's grace is freely given. 
We've never been a people who have, have set up a, a set of parameters, a, a, a bunch of hoops to jump through and over and to crawl under in order to, to experience this grace because God's grace, it, it, it's, it's with us. It speaks to us even before we can speak the name Jesus. As people called Methodists, we're not uh, uh, people of, of, of obligations and, and, and litmus tests and, 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 right, and qualifiers. Rather, we are a people of free grace because God loves us into freedom and gives us this grace freely. The God who loves us into freedom, invites us to show up in the world and to live in the world in a way that makes manifest what we believe and we hold in our hearts. That is, God loves us into freedom and gives us a choice on how to be in the world. You see, leading the life into the beloved community is not an easy proposition. It's actually sometimes a quite difficult and challenging path. John Wesley, Methodism's founder, realized that the way of love isn't easy, so he offered the people called Methodists a, a way of thinking, a way of guiding, a way of orienting our lives so that, it would, that we could make this, this complex thing a little bit more understandable, all right? So he offers three simple rules. We talked about it last week, but it's worth coming back to on this week. Three simple rules, do no harm, do good, stay in love with God. Do no harm, I will not harm you with words from my mouth, the songwriter once said. That, that our policies and our procedures might not injure people who are created, all of us, in the image of God. The first rule of, of living in the Methodist way is never to do anything that would, would, would stand in the way of someone else knowing themselves as fully loved. Never do anything or show up in such a way that, that, that would somehow block out the light of God's love, the light of the sun that, that covers us in God's grace. Do no harm. But, but, but not only that, we're called to do more. That our work is not simply to block the negativity, but our work is to construct uh, the goodness to live affirmatively into a way of being that says the good in me sees the good in you. And because the good in me sees the good in you, I, I, I want that goodness, the, the, the greatness that is implanted in you to be drawn out in such a way that you show up as your best self in the world each and every day. So we're called to do good for ourselves, but for one another, so that my light might greet your light, and together our lights might shine more boldly in the world. That our lights might shine more boldly in the world. Do no harm. Do good. And stay in love with God. That's why on this day, in just a moment, we'll come to this table, which is for us an opportunity to stay in love 
do this as often as you eat it and you drink it in remembrance of me is the commandment of Christ Jesus. That, that each and every time we go to the table, we might be sustained for the journey that is ahead so that in a world that is so full of lovelessness, we might have embodied, enfleshed, incarnate the symbol of God's love that, that keeps us in touch with the God who loves us into freedom. As baptized people, those who are water washed and spirit born, those who remember that Jesus, when he was baptized, the, the, the heavens opened and a dove descended and a voice from heaven declared, this is my son, my beloved. With him, I am well pleased. So too, the words of our baptism, we are reminded that God is well pleased with you. And in a world that sometimes would have you to forget, we come to the table, we come in prayer to remind ourselves of the fundamental nature of our identity as Christians, that we are loved into freedom and we are baptized into God's grace. And we have strength for the journey to live as baptized people when we come to the table of grace. As people called Methodists, we have been called to do much good and to stay in love with God. And as a, a community of faith over 200 years, we have uh, made manifest the goodness of God's love by doing things like building schools and universities and hospitals. Uh, we have a tradition of going into the prisons and, 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 and to visiting those uh, who are in prison and to bailing out those who might be in jail because they had a debt that they could not pay themselves. Whenever a, a, natu a natural disaster hits uh, in the United States or abroad, the United Methodist Committee on Relief is one of the first organizations to show up to bear witness to the love of God through Christ Jesus our Lord. We have a story, a witness of doing good down through the years. But sadly, beloved, we should also know that uh, over our 200-year history, people called Methodists also have done much harm in the world. Right? And, and I'm reluctant to, to speak of such harm in this sacred or sermonic uh, moment. But in many ways, right, the secret's already out because it's been on the front page of the Globe and, and the Post and the Times. And as a philosopher, Spanish philosopher said, uh, those who do not remember their history are doomed to repeat it. So we remember the harm of our history so that we might indeed pursue a different pathway forward. So I need you to know that as a black, gay, queer man, the, the harm that the United Methodist Church and its antecedents have done and have been made manifest in this present moment around sexuality is not simply about LGBTQ identity, but rather there is indeed a 200-year history in the Methodist movement of oppression of not living out the first rule of Methodism, that we've done harm. 
So the 2019 passing of the traditional plan where it increases uh, penalties against queer folks actually is built and based upon the 1972 incompatibility language where it entered into the book of discipline that, that LGBTQ folks are quote unquote incompatible with Christian teaching, which is based on the 1968 a persecution of black folks in the Methodist Church, right? In 1968, the United Methodist Church eliminated formal racial segregation, and then four years later enters into the incompatibility language against queer folks. So we stop oppressing black folks through formal segregation, and four years later, we start attacking LGBTQI folks. And, and 1968 has to be read in light of 1956, where clergy women finally got full rights in the United Methodist Church, which only can be read in light of 1939, when the central jurisdiction was created and racial segregation was codified in church law, which must be understood in light of 1844, where the Methodist Episcopal Church divided over slavery. And slaveholding Christians in the South left the Methodist movement in order to practice enslavement in peace. And 1844 can only be understood fully in light of 1833, when we began our colonizing mission to Liberia, which must be understood in terms of 1784, when at Lovely Lane Chapel in Baltimore, Maryland, the Methodist Episcopal Church was founded. And at that Christmas conference, people who looked like me in these United States were not considered fully human. And women were not full citizens of this emerging nation that was actually built upon land stolen from indigenous people. And the church has been at best complicit and at worst active in the oppressions of black people, of women, of people of color and colonies all across the land, and now presently against queer folks. So beloved, you must understand our Methodist history, it reveals deep harm. But I believe that this is not the end of our story. And in this moment, while we be broken people, we might still be those redeemed by God's grace. The extravagant, abundant, unconditional love of God, a God that loves us into freedom, so our history might not be the end of our story, but an opportunity for a new beginning. Because the good news is that love is an action word. And it's not mere sentimentality, but, but love, when it shows up in the public, it looks like justice. And as people called Methodists, we have a story that reminds us that grace is always connected to holiness 
There is no religion but social religion. There is no holiness but social holiness, said John Wesley. So the simple question before us today, at this moment in history, will we be true to the name Methodist and be shaped by a method of love, the way of grace? We are people who've made terrible errors yet, but still we are people who believe in the saving power of Christ Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, and our yesterdays don't have to be our todays, and tomorrow can still be brighter still. Why? Because God's grace, it is sufficient. It is sufficient for us. So in this moment, beloved, when literally the climate is changing and Australia is on fire and earthquakes after hurricanes and Puerto Rico have ravaged a part of our country and yet the White House continues to turn blind eye on brown people. And though an impeachment trial of the president has already indicated that, that justice will be again denied. On this weekend of marches for women's rights and celebrations of the legacy of Martin Luther King, we come to a point where we must ask, what will we do? We have the ability to become again what we never were, but always hope to be, a people called Methodist, saved by grace. And that yes, King is correct, that the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice and union. During this year of elevation, we are the ones to bend it. We are the ones to bend it. So let us be about our work on this day and in the days to come. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information about Union Church, please visit unionboston.org.